Hi, I'm Nyla Boodoo. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we dive into one big story. Today's Thursday, July 29th. Bipartisanship is up, Trump Republicans are down, and we're focused on the history of labor unions in the U.S. With the pandemic, the way we think about work has changed. There's a newfound power of the employee. Take Alabama. Union coal miners there are on their fourth month of a strike. And earlier this year, Amazon workers failed to unionize in Bessemer. Unions are becoming an even larger part of the way we think about the dignity of a worker. And for communities of color, specifically the African-American community, early union organizers like Philip Randolph paved the way for better labor conditions, starting with his work organizing the Pullman Porters in the early 20th century. In just a moment, author and historian Dr. Ibram X. Kendi joins me to talk about the history of labor organizing in the Black community. We're joined now by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, author of How to Be an Anti-Racist and host of the Be Anti-Racist podcast. Dr. Kendi, how did what happened in Alabama change the conversation in your mind around unions in America today? It's hard to say definitively, but it, but it seems like anecdotally that it re-energized the, the movement to, to unionize across this country. And I, and I wonder if the reason for that was because, you know, you had organizers who decided they, they were going to try to, to unionize a plant uh, at one of, of the second largest private employer in the country, in, in Amazon. And this wasn't anywhere. This was in the Deep South. This was in Alabama. This was in Bessemer, Alabama. 85% of the people at the plant were Black. Most of them were, were women. And, and so I wonder, part of it is psychologically, if those organizers can dare to unionize workers in the union-busting deep south in Alabama uh, against the sort of Goliath of Amazon with Black women workers who have historically not, unfortunately, been at the center, who I think more and more people are learning, like, should be at the center of, of labor efforts in this country today, if, if they could do it there, if they could dare to do it there in Bessemer, then we should be able to dare to do it anywhere with, with any institution. When we think about unions, I'm thinking about Philip Randolph and that portion of American history that was about unionizing Black workers. There is another history of unions as well. And I wonder if you can draw the line for us between unionized labor and racism. Well, the unfortunate truth is that some white unions, particularly in the late 1800s and early 1900s, were, were segregated, would bar black workers and laborers from, from joining the union and thereby learning to be able to be sort of to seek apprentices or be able to get jobs in particular plants or particular forms of employment. And then what was ironic is those very unions, those white unions, would at times, you know, have to go on strike. And and then they would get upset when the factory owner brought in Black workers as strike breakers, who they kept out of their own union. And then it resulted in those white union workers to see Black workers as their opponents, as well as capital or as well as, let's say, the owners, you know, of these factories, as opposed to seeing those Black workers, you know, as their allies. And I think more and more Black, white, Indigenous, Latinx, Asian 
workers are, are seeing each other as allies today. I mean, there's a, a tremendous amount of organizing, particularly low-income and, and even middle-income organizing today. And, and I think more and more people are recognizing those sort of old tricks to divide labor through race. How much of union labor is about worker dignity? I think certainly for, for many workers, and really just like many human beings, I mean, you, you want to be respected in your place of employment. You, you want to be respected in your community. You want to be respected, you know, in your society. But the difficulty with respect is sometimes in order to really have respect, you need power. And typically unions are able to give individual workers the power that allows them to demand or receive more so respect because they know if you disrespect that union member, (laughs) then she is going to have an entire organization behind her that can respond accordingly, which is very different, obviously, than if you disrespect a single worker. As a historian, I am curious your perspective on the civil rights movement and this idea of power when it comes to workers. Has this been, to your mind, a common thread in American civil rights history? Yes and no. I think yes, in the sense that civil rights activists were clear that they were fighting for the life and dignity and the sort of power and advancement of working people. Probably the most known march of the 1960s, of course, the March on Washington was the March on Washington for jobs and freedom. So we don't, we cut off jobs and freedom, which is, I think, endemic in that we don't recognize the role that labor or even the role that efforts for jobs and economic security sort of played. And we even freeze King as an example in 63 and forget that his last major campaign was the poor people's campaign in which he was bringing together workers and and impoverished people across racial lines to advocate for economic justice. Dr. Kendi, thank you for the time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. This is actually the last episode of Axios Recap for the summer. This podcast will return in the fall, but Dan Primack is working on new projects at Axios. You can always continue to listen to our daily podcast, Axios Today, which I host every morning. Search for Axios Today on your favorite podcast app and give us a follow. Tomorrow on Axios Today, is bipartisanship back in D.C.? And what are the takeaways from this week's testimony on January 6th? We'll have those stories and more as part of our Friday political roundup. Big thanks to Recap's producers, Alexandra Boti, Justin Kaufman, Sabina Singani, and our sound engineer, Alex Sugiara. Have a great National Lasagna Day. I'm Nyla Boudou. Thanks for listening and stay safe.